we have children who had wanted kind of children who had wanted to farm. Um, yeah. But it's been a, a struggle at times for just Pete and I, uh, and so to enlarge and be able to incorporate your kids and their families, just that financially wasn't able, you know, we weren't able to do that. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Small scale, very old school family dairies still exist. And Shelly and Pete DeJager run one of them near Everson, Washington, but it hasn't been easy, particularly as they've faced cancer and a major flooding disaster in just the last few years. Hear from Shelly as we talk this week about the challenges of keeping the farm alive and about why it likely won't pass on to the next generation. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and these are documenting my journeys and the stories of the people all over Washington State, the real people behind our food. How long have you been around this world of growing milk? Because that's what you do, right? Right, right. Uh, since 1986, when Pete and I got married, yeah, uh, but it had always been a desire and so uh, my dad was born uh, on the Blankers farm just north of Ebenezer school in that area and he did not want to farm and Mm -hmm. he became an engineer and moved to California and uh, all all my Blankers relatives lived up here and Mm -hmm. I always wanted to farm so I would come up during the summers and work for my uncles and one summer I met Pete, and yeah, then he we met got this married. California girl. <laughs> <laughs> he was warned that I wouldn't be a good farmer because oh. I grew up in California yeah. and that I didn't grow up with it. Yeah, but I loved it, and that was just what I always wanted to do. Where in California? I grew up in Ventura, California, okay. about sixty miles north of Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, worked for a dairy down there. Oh, really? In high yeah, school. that's what I was going to ask. There's, there's dairy down there. There are a lot of yes. dairy in California. Yes, and then I, I went to school and majored in dairy science, um, just trying to make up for not growing up on a farm. I thought, what yeah. can I learn? You know. But yeah. So you were pretty serious about I it. I was then. serious about it, but um, l- what I, what I learned hands on on the farm has been just invaluable. Um, Mm-hmm. working for dairies and then marrying Pete and going on from there. So why was it, do you think, that you wanted to do it so badly, even though you hadn't grown up with it? When, when I would come up during the summers and visit my aunts and uncles, I just loved it. I just, I just loved it. And boy, my, my dad kind of tried to talk me out of it. A lot of people did, but it's... I think it's in the genes, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's possible. Was it the animals? Did you I like? I love work? the animals. Yes, yeah. yes. I know there. You know, people in dairy. It's it's such a diverse skill set that you need to run a dairy farm because you're growing crops, right. you're growing animals, you're managing a lot of different stuff. And some people have their particular areas that they're more passionate about. Are you the the animal kind of right. person? Right. Yes, I, I actually really enjoy milking, and mm. I, I do a lot of milking, and nice. I enjoy that. Why? Yeah. 
What is it about milking a cow that you enjoy? I think it's just the rhythm you get into in the barn, and um, it's just that steady work, and you you accomplish something, and it just feels good to be producing food for for people. And um, I really, yeah, I just enjoy it. And we've had um, our kids that have grown up helping us milk, and some of our best conversations have been in the parlor so we're busy doing other things but yet those valuable conversations happen just for people because a lot of people don't know necessarily the real details about how cows are milked now i mean they a lot of people may still think of milking by hand obviously that's not what you're doing explain the process for you guys I mean, I think people have heard, think about the old way. They've heard maybe about robots. That's the very right. new way. But a parlor, how does that right. work? How do the cows come in and how do you milk them? Right. Well, we are small. Mm-hmm. We have about, uh, we milk about 150 cows. Okay. Um, a total of about 180 with our dry cows. Mm-hmm. And so we have a double six herringbone. So, um, we get the cows up out of the stalls and get mm-hmm. them into the holding area, and then you open. And them. what does that take? They just shoo them in, or they well, know that there's going to be some they, grain in the parlor. <laughs> well, we don't feed grain in the parlor. Okay. We used to, but we we found that didn't work so well. So, mm-hmm. um, no, we don't feed grain in the parlor. But they know when it's milking time, and for the most part. They hear the tractor start up, and we also, you know, scrape and feed too at that time. So most of the cows get up Mm -hmm. um, and head toward the parlor, and then we let them into the parlor, six on a side, six at a time. So they just want to come in. For the most part, there are some that um, they kind of move slower for me. That we do have some (laughs) some milkers that help us, and they move a lot better for them. do for me but yeah. uh yeah but they they come in and then um we spray them with iodine mm-hmm. and that just like, dis- disinfects yeah. the the teat and then we have towels individual towels and we wipe down the teat get it clean and you wait a, a it's about I'm not sure how long, but it, it, you wait a little bit before you reattach or attach the machine, and mm-hmm. then um, we attach the machine, and then the pulsation causes the milk to come out of the cow, and then it flows into a gravity flow pipeline down into the uh, receiving jar, and then there's a pump that kicks on, and it pumps the milk into our refrigerated bulk tank. Just like that. Just like that. And the milk truck comes what? And the milk truck Once comes. Once or every day or every other every day? Every other day for us, yes. And you probably have your, you know, stuff keeping data on making sure that the milk is always cold to a certain right. temperature. Right, Yes. Yeah. Yep, it's stored at 38 degrees, so nice and cold, and they pick it up within 48 hours. Yeah. And that's how it works. And that's that's how it very works. similar to what I remember. <laughs> Other than my both of my grandpas milked with flat barns. They didn't have a parlor. So they had to kneel down next to the cow right. and, and get the inflations on mm-hmm. and do all of that. 
destroyed their knees from doing that for decades and decades twice a day every Every day day. is that what you guys do you milk twice a day we milk twice a day yeah yes those cows know and it's probably exactly 12 hours apart right it's just the constant rhythm of the dairy farm yes i did some of that flat barn milking Mm -hmm. for my one of my uncles and yeah, it makes you appreciate the parlor that yeah. you can stand up straight in. Yeah, because in the parlor, the cows are up higher, and then there's a pit that you walk down in, so you can be kind of right. at working level and cleaning them right. and all of that. It's just straight across. For right. me, it is. Right. So you don't have to be <laughs> I'm pretty short. But <laughs> destroying your knees and your back and right. all that stuff. Yes. Oh, I, I, you know, I have always said that I'm more of a crop guy than a cow guy because I can get frustrated with cows. You know, oh, as yeah. you well know, oh, yes. way better than me. They oh, don't always yes. do what you want. No, no. But now that I have my grandpa's old barn, I do miss having the animals in there. Oh, yeah. The warmth, the clanking of the stanchions mm-hmm. as they just go in and out and get some feed or go to lay down. And as they just kind of move around and right. the slap, slap, slap of a fresh pie being right. dropped onto the... <laughs> For you sure, know, right? As weird as that sounds, that's just what I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. in there and so i can appreciate that too and you talking about that being in there and, and enjoying even milking mm-hmm. i never really milked um i i would help my dad milk at my my dad's oh, dad's yes but with as fussy as he was you know it was only really his boys that were allowed to milk his cows so i right. you know the grandson right. you know, well by the time he retired in 99 i was not old enough to be trusted <laughs> to do that he was very protective Particular. of his cows I remember your grandpa, yes. Well, because when you started, well, you were dating. Yeah, I was dating your husband, Pete, Pete, yes. When I was a little kid, and I lived right in that neighborhood there. We moved right. away, you know, what, two miles away when I was five. Right. But it was right there. Mm-hmm. And you were basically between my house, my, my right. parents' house, and my grandparents' right. house. Right, right. So to get back to the history, we're jumping all over the place here, but to get back to the history, you wanted to do this. You got your degree. You met Pete. How did that go from there? Right. Well, then we we got married, and we um, Pete was renting a farm on the depot road there, yep. and so we lived. literally a stone's throw from right where I've spent my first right. five years of my life. Right. Yeah. I remember you as just a, a little boy riding in the tractor as your dad, you know, hauled manure. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And so you just started working on the farm doing... Right. So we got married uh, in 1986, and we've just farmed together on the farm, and that's what we've, we've done for 36 years. Now, it wasn't that long after you got married that you guys left that place right what was that like how did that all come about uh well we were renting it and Mm -hmm. the people we were renting from wanted to sell Mm -hmm. and so just through a i guess just the way things worked out we ended up coming out here to everson and um Actually, that was that was just a miracle too. How that all all worked out. That was definitely in the Lord's hands. How He led us here, and we've been yes here since 1989. What's it so, been? What was this place like before you guys were here? Was it a functioning dairy? Was there a lot of work to do to get it? 
to where it is now? No, not not really. It was a, a functioning dairy, and um, we haven't made too many changes. We've we uh, they raised their heifers here, and we don't. We changed the heifer barn into a dry cow barn so we could milk more cows. Right, and that's really. The only major change we've made little little things here and there, but um, we had plans of doing that, but it just yeah. wasn't in the cards. So, well, talk about that. You guys are still small. I mean, mm-hmm. still bigger than I think about my both of my grandpas were. My grandpa Hunk, who probably never milked more than forty, forty-five, maybe fifty cows. My right. grandpa. On the other side, maybe 75. I don't know if you ever got to 100. So you're at 150, but it's still in that small scale size that there are very few of those farms left. Right. Why are you guys still that size? How, I guess on one hand, have you chosen to do that? Is that what you want? And on the other hand, how have you, you know, a lot of people have said, well, they can't, they would like to stay small, but they can't. How have you been able to make it work? I really don't know. Probably a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. Um, A lot of hard work. Sometimes Pete and I, you know, in all honesty, shake our heads. Um, Mm -hmm. But when you you love what you do and you really want to make it work, um, yeah, financially it hasn't always been easy. We we had hoped we could expand. We have children who had wanted kind of children who had wanted to farm um, yeah. but it's been a, a struggle at times for just Pete and I uh, and so to enlarge and be able to incorporate your kids and their families just that financially wasn't able you know we weren't able to do that That's my, my family story too I mean I was interested in it too I mm. I've ended up in the right place, I think, for me. I think it, it ended up being a good thing that I didn't. I don't think I could handle the stress, but I wanted to. But there, it wasn't in the cards for my right. family. Right. I wouldn't have been able to support my parents and me. Right. That's hard. It is hard. What do you do? It is hard when you feel a call for that and you you love it. Um, but you know the Lord works things out and you're yeah. where you feel you are yeah. and... And our son, Gary, who had really wanted to farm, he, he still has said, oh, I remember the day Dad said, you know, Gary, I, I just don't think it's going to work. And mm. devastating, devastating. But, yeah. you know, he's now um, working for the fire Dep- North Whatcom Fire Department, and he, he loves his, his work there, too, and yeah. um, he's able to serve there as well. well. That's important so, work too. Yeah. Taking care of people. Yes. And then our, our daughter Janice, she would have loved to as well. And I think someday she'll, she'll get her, her foot in the door farming or involved yeah. in the dairy industry somehow. Um, and then another daughter married a farmer. Mm. Uh, and then our oldest son, he, he wasn't interested and he, mm-hmm. which is fine. It's not yeah. for everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. So, and, and don't do it if you're not interested. No, in it. no <laughs> for sure not. For <laughs> sure not. Oh, for sure not. Yes. So what did he find himself doing? He's a youth pastor in Centralia. Very cool. So that, yes. So good. So yeah, what happens? What, 
how long are you do you guys want to keep doing this would there be an, a chance for one of your kids to take it over or i know that again yeah. that was not in the cards right. for for me or my family either right you know pete and i don't think anyone will farm here after we're done yeah we, we don't see that really is happening here the barns are old the facility is older it would take a lot of money to to get it up um yeah so you know uh pete 66 will farm uh, you know we we've we're kind of in a our fourth year in a two-year retirement plan (laughs) (laughs) i've heard this one before very very common (laughs) oh it's like what else would you do you know so exactly um yeah no this is good and it and it's good to think that through in a real world scenario like yours because a lot of people think well why aren't there more small farms well it's this progression this kind of story Mm -hmm. that has played out family after family that explains why it's it is tough darn near impossible to do in a lot Mm -hmm. of cases as much as you might want to right as valuable as it is and as much as you would want to and it's it's difficult yeah i wish i wish more kids could grow up on farms though because it is such a great experience This episode of the Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored by Mana Insurance Group. A big thank you to them for supporting um, this podcast, these episodes, all these conversations we've had all over the state for this whole season. A huge thank you to them. You can check them out out online at uh, manainsurancegroup.com. Their whole focus is working. It's, it's, it's an old school insurance agency working one-on-one with you to find out what's really going on, what your needs are, what you need and what you don't need as far as insurance and making sure you have a plan to protect your financial future rather than being forced to pick up the pieces if and when things go wrong and not have a plan. Also, thank you to Dairy Farmers of Washington for supporting the podcast all season. You can find them at wadairy.org, where they share many more stories of dairy families like Shelley and Pete DeJager, um, as well as all the information about the dairy products that are produced in our state, their nutrition, recipes, sustainability information, lots of great info. It's a great resource, especially if you want to know more about the kinds of dairy products, milk that are are produced here in Washington state by farms like Shelly Jager's farm with her husband, Pete. Also, Red Raspberries, Washington Red Raspberries, supporting the podcast. A big thank you to them for their support as well, producing America's best raspberries. Well, I don't know. That, that's just my opinion because I grew up on a red raspberry farm here in Washington State, and uh, we certainly appreciate their support for these conversations as well. Now we get back to our conversation with Shelley DeJager in Everson, Washington, here on the Real Food, Real People podcast. You guys, it's been just a year ago, had a disaster wash through here, <laughs> the flood. And I think people saw it on the news all over. I mean, beyond the state even, it's known that there was a disaster here. But you guys were in the thick of this flooding disaster of November 2021. Almost feels like it needs a name, like, you know, hurricane, whatever. But they they don't name these floods. But to remember it, it was historic. Mm -hmm. 
explain what happened during that time because I know it hit you guys really hard. Mm-hmm. Well, it had been raining, as we all know, torrential yeah. downpour. I kept thinking, nuts. this must be like the flood, like Noah's Ark flood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, Pete got up. We had been, you know, trying to sleep, but he got up early and went out. And I could hear the doors banging different out in the barn. I thought, Mm. oh, something's not right. And I got up and I looked out the window and all I saw was shine. Mm. So just water water everywhere. And uh, I put my boots on and I head out and... Pete said, we're flooding, it's, it's filling up fast. And it had come over in the back. Because you're right on the banks of the Sumas River. Sumas River. Which takes the overflow, and this is what happened for people who followed this particular flood, it takes the overflow in these, only in these terrible scenarios from the Nooksack River, which normally drains out to Bellingham Bay over there, Sumas River drains to, to Canada, to, can- yes. to the Fraser River, right. and the overflow started coming your way, yes. right? Yes, and, and just the Sumas River itself was just full, too, right, yeah. from all the rain. Had right. you flooded here before? Uh, we had minor flooding, but never in the barns. This was in the barns, in the parlor. So, yeah, you, Over, you yeah. went out. Went got out, your boots on. Got, Sorry, I interrupted no, your story no. for the background there. Got my boots on, and Pete said, this feels like a bad dream, but it's real. <laughs> you yeah. know? And uh, so it was coming in and filling up the barns in between our machine shed and the lagoon. We have like a lane that the cows can go out to a, a field back there. And, um, and the lagoon is where you store, in a protected way, your manure yes. from the farm. Yeah. Yes. So it was coming in through there, and uh, with our skid steer, we weren't able to put like a pile of dirt big enough and get back there to block it. Mm. So uh, our neighbors, our neighbors, Pete got a hold of our neighbors, and they came over with a big payloader and were able to scoop up some dirt and stop it from coming into the barn Mm. but already it cows were up to their udders stalls were flooded the um, parlor like you had said you stepped down into it was flooded and up over the pipeline over the milking machines Um, water everywhere and it just came up so fast Um, and so when our neighbors came you know, they looked in the parlor, and Alan Seitzma, he says, you guys aren't going to be milking here today. Let's get the cows out. And, of course, yeah, we knew we needed to yeah. get cows out, but where do you go? Yeah. It's not like there's just empty barns somewhere that are ready to take cows right away. I mean, there's empty barns, but they're right. ready for cows. No. And, oh, Dylan, we have such great neighbors. Um, so... Between our two farming neighbors, they each took about half of our our herd. And so they came with their trucks and trailers and hauled cattle out while um, our son and and lots of people came and helped us load cattle onto trailers. Um, Cows are bellowing, mooing. Yeah, they're probably freaked out because they're standing in water, right? Right. 
That's not a, a sound you forget. In fact, I've dreamt about going through the flood again, and you hear the cows. That's what, that's what I hear. Um, so we get the, the cows out, and the trucks are, are pushing um, bumpers. Or the, tr- the, wa- the trucks are pushing water with their bumpers. Um, we had called different cattle haulers, and they said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there if we can, and, and ro- roads were flooded. But here came someone with a truck and trailer. I still don't know who they were. Um, an angel, really, and they came and said, I, we hear you need help. And so here came this young dad with his kids in the back. Wow. And they came and hauled cows. So their little boy's eyes were just enormous in the back of the, of the cab of that truck. I'm thinking this memory is seared in their yeah. minds. So you were able to get all the cows out then? We were able to get all the cows out. Um, and then they went to the neighbors. Yes, it was just all kind of surreal. I remember uh, like in between loads of cows going, seeing our kids' Tonka trucks float past. And I would try to rescue what I could and put everything up like on the picnic table or higher up. Um, and then here I see this, <laughs> might sound funny, but a, a bag of grated cheese float by. And I knew that we have a, we have a second fridge in our garage. I knew yep. the water was in the garage and it opened the door and... Uh, things wow. were just floating by. So it just kind of a, a, a really weird feeling. We were very blessed, though. Our house stayed dry. Mm. So there were so many other families that had it right. way more uh, severe than what we did. Um, we had a, a house. So we were so thankful and, yeah. and yeah, almost so felt people, guilty for that. You people know? that are still not back in their homes. I heard, I heard recently of a person who just this past month got back in their home. So people who haven't had a place to go home to. Right. Boggles your mind. Right. Yes. What was going through your mind during all of that? While you're getting cat, cattle out? And like, It's kind of a blur, but just lots of prayers. Lots of prayers yeah. were, were going up. Um, thankful for our friends and farming community and neighbors who who came and helped us um thinking how are we going to get back into the barn what's that going to look like you know thankfully we we didn't lose any cows in the flood um per se over that time later on we had some cows that just never came back in milk or mm. got pneumonia just stress-related things, but yeah. But it wasn't because you didn't do everything you could. No, no. And Pete and I have talked about that too. You, you know, you're responsible for your livestock, and you, you want to take the best care of them you can. And then to know that they're frightened and standing in cold water and bellering, it, it's hard. It's hard as a farmer to. Um, have your cows go through that too. That's yeah. that's a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. And you said you still have dreams, yes. being a, which I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And 
I would call those nightmares. Right. Oh, for sure. And then you hear of atmospheric storm, atmospheric river. Yeah. And it brings, you know, some anxiety with it because you're thinking of what you went through. Yeah, I just talked with Leah Rainey Herringa the other day. I don't know if you know her over in (laughs) Sumas, and they kind of got flooded out too. Well, definitely got flooded out. She was saying, yeah, just a few weeks ago when we had the long dry spell mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden a bunch of rain was coming. It was just hard for her to stay calm, even though she knew like it wasn't going to supposed to be a flood. Right. She was just having all kinds of anxiety, she said. Right. It leaves you with that. Right. How, right. how were you able to get things back together? How long did it take? Did you guys stay here? I mean, the cows we were, are gone. Cows but. were gone. Weird feeling to to have the cows gone um, for actually two nights and be in the house and no cows. That was odd, very odd. That yeah. um, yes, uh, so half the cows also went to Theo and Berkham, and they Theo and Cheryl's milkers were unable to get to their place. Mm. So um, we went over and milked. Mm at Theo and Cheryl's um, while our cows were there and uh, fun to milk in a different parlor and have that experience too. And interesting when our cows would come in, I couldn't always see their faces, but recognize recognize them them by their udder. (laughs) So you know your cows that well. this is one of ours. (laughs) (laughs) So how, how does that work then? How do you get them back separated out just by... The right. ear tag or whatever? With Theo's, at Theo's, when they came in, we put like some marker on them mm. that, you know, it was colored so right. that we could say, oh, this one's one of ours. And at Kim and Alan Seitzma's, they had a, they, they moved some cows around and had ours in a separate string. Nice. Yeah. Incredible. <sighs> that, that was able to work out the way that it did. What would have happened if you wouldn't have had those neighbors? Wow. A totally different scenario with the roads being flooded. You know, we had tried some other places first but couldn't get through. Um, I don't know. We, we had to get the cows out, but I don't know where they would have gone. I'm so thankful for our neighbors. They've, they have helped us through quite a few things over the over the years, and yes. That's, what, that's what the farming community does, uh, though, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, well, in, in the fall of 19, Pete was diagnosed with cancer, mm. um, and it was stage four, and it just came on so incredibly fast. Um, I remember sitting here at the table, and we, we knew... Pete was getting weaker, and we'd been doctoring, trying to figure out what was going on, and uh, we knew it was cancer, but didn't know what kind, and we got a call from Bellingham, um, the Bellingham Cancer Center that said, you need to get into the emergency now, and um, here Pete was talking about putting pitch on on a part of the roof that was leaking, you know, and it it just, everything... uh, changes just just like that and our our neighbors um theo said pete don't worry about it i'll get the cows fed we'll get it taken care of um 
we pack a quick little bag to get ready to go to the hospital and uh, our neighbor John Veldman is here with Theo and they're figuring out Pete had given them instructions for feeding the cows and they're feeding the cows and um, between our neighbors and friends and kids uh, after a long a long journey of medical treatments we had a farm to come home to so um, wages were paid by by other people to it was just amazing uh, the outpouring of support we had during that that time Uh, but between our kids and family and friends and church family we we had a farm to come home to so we've, we've experienced that for sure twice in such a visible way between yeah. the flood and, and Pete's illness, just that outpouring love and support um, that helps you through it. So you had stage four cancer. St- stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. What happened? Um, That's serious. Stage oh, four. I mean. Right, right. So we got to Bellingham, and the, the nurse navigator had said, uh, when you get admitted, then just tell them you need a brain scan, you need all these different mm-hmm. tests run, and that he has. We knew it was a lymphoma, but not what kind. And uh, so they kind of looked at me, and <laughs> like, oh, there's more to this. And, and they started running a battery of tests. And um, Pete was still just getting weaker. Um, but, yeah, a, a, a nurse, a, a, the Lord was so at work in all of this timing. Um, the hospitalist at the hospital uh, Happened to see the head doctor at the cancer center. One of the one of the head doctors, Doctor Conda, and he was having coffee in the cafeteria. And she said, "Maybe I can come up and get him to take a, a peek at Pete. He's he's not as patient, but he's he's you know going to be going to the cancer center." And he came up and he looked at Pete and he said, "He has to get to Seattle now." And there uh, wasn't any room. There weren't there weren't any any beds available, and I had friends calling. What can we do? And I said, pray that there's a bed. So, just in our in our community, well, you you know how that is. Yeah. Word got out. People were praying. We had a bed. Wow. So we get Pete down to to Seattle, and uh, he's he's in the ambulance and. I left a few minutes after, and the kids had said, Mom, this, is, this will be how you get there. And I'm pretty flustered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a dark, rainy night, driving by myself to Seattle and going down to Swedish in that heart of Seattle and never been there before, um, just praying all the way down, just the Lord and I in the car. Um, get to Swedish and the lights were all green there was a parking spot right there uh, I asked this gentleman uh, if I if I was in the right spot if I needed to get to the to a certain wing in the hospital and he said oh you absolutely are and he told me exactly where to go I still think of him as an angel 
Um, mm. He says, remember the floor you're on, remember your color. And I, like, I probably wouldn't have, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we get, to, wow. we get to Swedish, and one of the nurses said, uh, do you know where you're staying? And uh, um, in a motel? I, I, I haven't thought that far. Just get down here. Yeah. It was all so rushed. And um, she said, we'll move in a cot. So this was before COVID. So I was able to stay in a cot in Pete's room for mm. the 10 days, which mm. was such a blessing. Yeah. Um, but they still didn't have the biopsy results. So they weren't quite sure exactly what concoction to make for him. Boy, those doctors are smart. Oh, but this yeah. uh, head doctor said, I think this is what you have and we're going to, we're going to get out our big guns. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was a long, a long journey. Um, Pete had some serious side effects that landed him in the hospital several times and was touch and go um, a couple of times. It just, it's been a, it's been a journey, but we're feeling so thankful and grateful um, for a, a, a clean bill of health. So, so he that's beat a it? miracle. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. His last... His From stage four. Stage four. To remission. To remission. His last uh, blood test showed no evidence of disease. So... Incredible. Yes. So now, going forward, you, you're, you're just so... <laughs> Uh, it, it's hard to put it into words, but just so thankful and grateful, and you want to live your best for the Lord. Yeah, but I always have, but even even now, you yeah. Has it changed how you farm? You well, think? you know, I I I found that we're kind of doing the same thing, and that. We truly are happy with what we're doing. When Pete was in in the hospital and sick here at home, and you know, what would you do different? And some days it's, you know, I'm ready to be done. I'm ready. I'm ready to be done. Mm-hmm. And other days it's like, no, I want to keep farming. So that's why we're on the. The, our fourth year into our <laughs> two-year retirement plan. Yeah. But valuing each day, valuing uh, time with family and friends and, and trying to make more special, special times together. Yeah. So, we don't ever want to um, forget and, and just be so grateful and thankful and uh, yeah, be used by the Lord with the time we have. So, where are you at in the? I mean, you said you're on year four of the two-year retirement plan. <laughs> but what's your plan for at least the near term? Oh, just keep milking cows. Just keep and- milking cows. Uh, we we bought some heifers a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> I guess you're going to keep at it for a while then. <laughs> keep those cow numbers up till we just totally decide. But yeah, you know, it's kind of a I don't know, kind of a, a something that we're thinking another year or two. 
but yeah, and it'll be time. But are you worried about another flood? <sighs> yes, yes, for sure. It's always on our mind. If that happened again, what would it mean for you guys? Well, we'd be done. I'm sure we'd be done. We'd, yeah. Enough's enough. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't, I, I don't want to think about that for anyone's sake, having to go through that again. Mm -hmm. But it's still, like you said, you think about it. Right. That's a real thing on oh, people's for minds. sure. Because for what has sure. changed to prevent this? From happening again right right nothing right yeah scary it is scary it is scary when you live along uh, the sumas river or the nooksack river any river it it is on your mind but after after this last flood we've never seen water like that and then we did have a lot of silt that was left behind mm -hmm. um that just has filled in along along the the riverbank and so that even displaces more water so if we do get more high water there's even, even less room for it yeah. to go so it's a constant fear um was not looking forward to entering fall this year i usually like fall but not yeah. this year i was you know a little apprehensive and yeah watch the weather forecast and just hope we don't get too many rainy days in a row. But um, it's on the mind all the time. Well, thank you for having me here into the house and around the table to, to hear your whole story. It's, mm -hmm. it's amazing. And what happened with Pete and his battle with cancer, mm -hmm. what happened through the flood. Yeah. It, uh, amazing mm -hmm. things. For sure. And we just are so, so thankful and feel so blessed. And uh, we couldn't have done it without our family, friends, neighbors. Yeah. And of course, the Lord. We're yeah. just so thankful. It's been a journey. Yeah. Well, thank you for being willing to share the story with me. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome, Dylan. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. 